Okay, so this is the part of the service that we're going to open up the Bible. I've had to re-record this talk, so uh, you're getting the extra special edition. Uh, for those of you that know me, I love a good quote. Nothing gets the blood pumping more than an inspirational quote. So if you're needing to encourage me from looking a bit down, then throw a good quote my way. I want to share a quote with you at the beginning of this talk. Habits are first cobwebs, then cables. I love that image. I'm quite a visual person. Habits start as cobwebs. I always seem to walk into cobwebs. I think it's because of my height. And I'm always clawing at my face when there's nothing there at all. But this idea that habits start innocently or something that you can bat away, but then in time, they strengthen. Cables, stronger, connected, formed, established, more difficult to break. We can all, I'm sure, think of bad habits. And if we can't, I'm sure someone close to us can very quickly point them out. One of mine is always responding, well not always, but sometimes responding when I've got something to do around the house, two minutes. I'll do it in two minutes. For some of us, habits right now in our lives are strongholds, as Stuart spoke about in our talk around Second uh, Corinthians, power and weakness. We need to invite Jesus to break those strongholds, to come into our hearts and minds. He can do it. And I want to encourage anyone who's listening to this to not hold back. Maybe in listening to this talk, it's a reminder that some habits aren't great in our lives. Someone once said, bad habits are like comfortable beds. They're easy to get into, but they're hard to get out of. I'd like to flip that round as well and say that good habits are like un uncomfortable beds. Hard to get into and easy to fall out of. It takes three to six weeks to create a habit. Those first filaments of a cobweb are made and they're unsupported, they're weak, they're easily broken. But if we continue, they get stronger. They become cables that hold and underpin our lives together. Strong enough to endure challenges that come our way. We are doing something a little bit different with this series and I'll probably dip in and out of this teaching in the next few months. And I want to teach into our everydays with Jesus. Those everyday weekly habits with the Father, those cables, those great life-giving and nourishing habits to be established and protected. We might all be doing great in the everyday. We might not. But I just feel the Lord is wanting to get our attention in this next season to keep it simple and to keep on keeping on speaking about every day and to really own it and look at it in our own lives for something to be awakened. The Apostle Paul in the epistle to the Romans, he says this in the message version. So here's what I want you to do. God helping you take your everyday ordinary life, your sleeping, eating, going to work, and walking around life and place it before God as an offering. Embracing what God does for you is the best thing you can do for him. Don't become so well adjusted to your culture that you fit into it without even thinking. Instead, fix your attention on God. You'll be changed from the inside out. Readily recognise what he wants from you and quickly respond to it. Unlike the culture around you, always dragging you down to its level of immaturity, God brings out the best of you, develops well-formed maturity in you.
So we're going to take our everyday, ordinary life and we'll be looking at fasting in this talk. And we've obviously started, if you've been around our church for a number of weeks, Fast Friday, which you'll need to sign up for the email every Friday morning. We just felt we needed something else to put in the calendar. No, that's not really the reason. But we wanted to stir and challenge us as a church in our everydays, in our weeks. And you know, fasting is a really important discipline to look at. I want to look at Matthew chapter 6, and I want to give you a bit of context before. This is part of Jesus's, Jesus delivering his most famous teaching called the Sermon on the Mount, which we can read about in chapters 5 to 7, which was probably delivered over several days on a hillside in Capernaum, which uh, would have been in front of massive crowds. And it's a significant moment in his ministry here on earth. And it's a significant moment for us uh, to look at this passage and how we are to live as followers of Jesus. This sermon challenged the legalistic and proud religious leaders of the day uh, and to live and urged them to live from a place of heartfelt obedience, not show, not attainment, not bravado, but just heartfelt, simple obedience. So we're going to read Matthew chapter 6 and we're going to start at verse 16. When you fast, do not look sombre as the hypocrites do, for they disfigure their faces to show others they are fasting. Truly I tell you, they have received their reward in full. But when you fast, put oil on your head and wash your face, so that it will not be obvious to others that you are fasting, but only to your Father, who is unseen. And your Father, who sees what is done in secret, will reward you. Amen. Amen. So I want to first of all look at fasting in the Bible. It's a good starting point in how we do our everyday with Jesus to look and see what is the biblical basis for this discipline. So let's take a whistle-stop tour through some examples of fasting in the Bible. We see within the Bible, uh, I want to look at three examples of fasting. Biblical fasting always focuses on spiritual purposes. So it's not about vanity or power or attention. In normal uh, fasting, fasting would mean no food but water over a period of time. We read of Jesus fasting 40 days and 40 nights. And when Satan tempted him in Luke chapter 4 verse 2, we read that he ate nothing during those days. And that at the end of them, he was hungry. So we have normal fasting. We also read about partial fasting. We see a restriction of uh, a particular part of diet. We read of that in the book of Daniel. We have Daniel, uh, a man who stood faithfully to God's uh, instruction in spite of opposition. And he went three weeks with no meat or wine. So there was a reduced or restrictive element to his fasting. And we can read of that in Daniel 1 verse 11. So we have normal fasting, partial fasting, and then we have absolute fasting. So that would be no food or water. And there are several examples of this in God's word. In the book of Esther, we see her instructing Mordecai to gather the Jews upon hearing of her impending execution. To fast for three days and nights with no water or food. And you can read that in Esther chapter 4. In the New Testament, in Acts chapter 9, we read of Paul after encountering Jesus and blind and not eating or drinking for three days. 
We also read of Moses and Elijah engaged in much longer fasts as well. We see fasting being called as a result of times of emergency. When Judah was invaded, King Jehoshaphat called a fast. We see it for times of breakthrough. We see it for times of guidance. We see it where wisdom is needed in a particular situation, a particular direction uh, is to be decided upon. Also, we see regular fast being a feature, but we don't see a specific command. It's not explicitly termed in that manner, but through Jesus' words in the passage, we see an assumption alongside giving and alongside praying that it forms the foundations of a rhythm in living for him. To me, it seems like it's a given. It's almost like Jesus is implying, why wouldn't you? Notice in the passage, the language in verse 16, when you fast. Jesus isn't saying, if you fast. And also in Jesus' words in Matthew 9, verses 14 to 15, when he's challenged why the Pharisees fast and the disciples don't, he implies that right now is a time for feasting, not fasting. And when he is gone, then they will fast. So we see a bit of a, a biblical basis for fasting. I want to look at uh, my second point, which is fasting is pressing reset and submitting our agendas. Our boys love Minecraft. It's incredible. It's an incredible game. I have a five-year-old who's built a massive multi-story hotel to house hundreds of dogs. It's quite a sight. And then our seven-year-old is the teacher and smoke comes off his controller as he presses the button so fast to build all these incredible buildings. And I remember being in that position as a child. The same, uh, I remember my dad thinking the same thing as I beat him 17-1 at FIFA 96. And now I am that person. They get to play just before dinner is ready. And when the call comes, our middle boy doesn't save the game or save the progress. He runs to the switch at the wall and boom. The power is gone and the game is reset. And uh, my two eldest need to start the build again. I think that's a great picture for me and what fasting does. It brings a reset to what we're trying to build. And it allows us to submit afresh to God's building plans for our lives and situations. It places the strength on his side when we lack. It trusts in his wisdom and skills and plans and his voice it instills a hunger in us to press reset on the things that need tumbled and to give him his place back in charge the very purpose and center point of fasting is god humbling ourselves while we fast we are submitting to his will we're saying in this and that uh, exercise and that discipline that his interests are higher than ours that we are back in our rightful place and he in his. We're surrendering to his will. We're saying, your will be done. Fasting helps focus us on what matters. It encourages us to increase time to pray, to look to him in our lack. With what we are going without, we respond. And you know, fasting is a form of implicit prayer. Let me explain. I remember hearing John Wright, who's our national director overseeing the UK and Ireland vineyard and he was speaking about this that, that when you're fasting food and you sounds you hear in your belly if you're fasting food I, I, 
really what is happening. Your body is responding by saying amen. Amen. Rumble, rumble, rumble. It's quite a good... Uh, it's a good thing to remember when that happens. You know, we might not feel spiritual when we're fasting, and that's okay. For most of us, it's not a high. We just feel incredibly hungry through the day, through the period of time. It's also not a competition. Each of us, for each of us, it looks very different. It's a matter of the heart. As we run over to press reset and start our fast, we realize that we're all different. And it'll look different for each of us. How we pray, how we go about our day, it's going to be completely different. Fasting will be a deeply spiritual experience for some of us, where we have profound encounters and direction from God for our lives. For some, it will be a slog and you'll feel less spiritual at the end and more hungry. And that's okay. For some of us, we maybe can't fast food for medical reasons. So it's maybe social media or TV or dare I say coffee or reading or art or the internet. Something that perhaps is a linchpin to our day that we say to God, this time is yours and we surrender it to him. And the degree that you may be able to participate depends on your circumstances, but it's important that it's something that actually matters to you and impacts you without it. Because if it doesn't, then uh, it's not really fasting. There's not that sacrificial element to lean on to God. So, fasting is pressing reset and submitting our agendas. The next point is fasting is an intentional way to seek out and spend time with God. For Mary and I, there's few things more special than catching up with friends that we see once or twice a year. And when you reconnect, it's like you've never been apart. And maybe as I'm saying that, you know exactly who those people are. You know the type. And it's a real gift and you slot right back into place. We have friends just like that, Graham and Heather. I went to uni with them 20 years ago. My word, 20 years ago. That's scary saying that. I met Graham in university halls and he was the first person I chatted to moving into my room. We were in the old janitor's house actually. There was four of us and I remember I was the first person, I wasn't. The, I was the only person when I moved in, in our wee flat and I had a wee sneak around the rooms just to check that everybody there was, uh, just had, just to check they were okay really, what kind of stuff they had in their rooms, if I would get on with them. And I seen a couple of football boots and an Xbox in his room, so I knew we would be okay. And over the course of 20 years, we have been best man for each other at our weddings. We've become fathers, we've moved houses, and we try to see each other at least once a year for a big family catch-up. Before kids, when we went to stay, they would buy us all lottery tickets, and we would dream about what we would spend the money on, which was really nice and lots of good chats. And I would lie awake, what if we actually won? Graham and I would play the latest FIFA game on the Xbox while the ladies tucked behind us. It was precious. And uh, we met this summer on our way down to York on holiday. And when there was the potential of a meet, they moved stuff around to coordinate all. We managed to move it around as well to make the timings work. And we ended up having a barbecue together and sat in the garden and chatted life. Friends that you would move stuff, cancel other stuff just to be together, to spend time together. We prioritise those moments because we want to spend time together. James Packer in his book, Your Father Loves You, paints the exact picture in relation to fasting. And I think it's a really helpful one. 
It helps keep it simple. Fasting is a way of telling God that your priority for this time is to be alone with him. And you've cancelled the meal, the TV show, the social media platform to focus your attention solely on him. He has your full attention. And that's that's the precious thing about this discipline. It's not added to our busy lives. We are taking away something that matters to release time for what really matters and who really matters. As I come to a close, fasting helps remind us what we truly need. And that is more of God in our day-to-day, in our decisions, in our marriages, in our parenting, in our finances, our friendships, our fears. We become more in tune and spiritually sensitive. John Piper says this, we've nibbled at the world's table for so long that we've lost the hunger of the presence of God. And I think there's something in that. And I think that we have done more than nibble. I think as a culture that we at times gorge at the world's table and we're called to step back and rediscover or discover hunger for God and his manifest presence. In Mark 14, we read of an encounter that Jesus has with a woman and the woman ends up anointing him. And Jesus anoints him with oil this really expensive nard oil. And people were going, what on earth is she doing? Jesus says this, she did what she could and she did it for Jesus. And I think that's just a, a, a little line that helps us in our journey with fasting. To do what we can and to do it for Jesus. Paul Cho in his book, Prayer, Key to Revival, he suggests this. From Jesus' 40 days when he returned in Luke 4, 14, he returned in the power of the Spirit. Being full of the Holy Spirit does not necessarily cause one to walk in the power of the Holy Spirit. I believe the way into power, especially in prayer, is to fast and pray. I think there's something in that, to not only talk the talk, but walk the walk. I think there's something in the stripping away, the rhythm of the reset, taking something that costs us to focus our attention more readily to his plans and to his purposes. If we long to see God move in this city, I believe fasting holds an important place in discovering the more as we take our eyes away from ourselves and focus on him. To risk more, to be bolder, to love more readily, to see exactly what the Father is doing and to respond to his voice. So we're going to be continuing fasting every Friday as a church community. We're going to be sending out early on Friday morning a couple of prayer points just to direct our prayers. Do not feel bound by them at all. You pray what's on your heart, but we're going to be fasting together as a church community. You can sign up for our Fast Friday email if that's something that you'd like to receive and join us on the journey. Uh, We'd love you to do that. You can do that on our website. And it's an invitation. We're we're inviting you into this moment. So you need to fill out the little form and the email will come to you every Friday. Let's pray. Lord, I just pray for us as a church community, for anyone listening as well, that, that this discipline of fasting would be a, an encouraging one to us. That it would be a discipline where we see and see you and hear your voice and see you move in our every days 
We thank you that you are always working and always moving and we want to be a people in tune with your voice. Stir us up, Lord, to be a people that hunger, that don't just nibble at your table, but that come to your table hunger and eager for more. In Jesus' name, Amen.